G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Monday, it's good to catch up with Dan Flynn, who is the Chief Political Officer for the Australian Christian Lobby. Dan Flynn, a special welcome along to 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Dan, let's start with an Australian newspaper article, published a significant article last week, about the fundamental deficiencies that need to be addressed in the upcoming debate uh, over this new legislation around religious freedom laws. Uh, Pretty significant. Uh, Good to see the Australian newspaper covering this, and uh, ACL gets a little bit of the limelight here. Uh, What were the main things that were explained in that newspaper article? I think the article tried to unpack uh, what was uh, the, I suppose, the case against uh, supporting this wholeheartedly. Um, We raised, in a fairly brief submission that a number of things had been dealt with, but there were a number of things that were really very much outstanding. Um, in particular, uh, the Israel Folau type clause, uh, think of future Israel Folau's, uh, wasn't uh, protected. In other words, if somebody works for Target and or some such employer says in the lunchroom, look, I think they're uh, boys are boys, girls and girls, I should stay that way, that might cause someone to be offended. They might lose their job. Um, none of that is protected, which we hope to see. We're still going to work with the government and the Attorney-General on that. Uh, we are still concerned that religious law for religious activity is going to be too narrowly defined to be something like prayer, going to church, and so um, public expressions. People might say, oh, that's not actually your religious activity. Uh, that's, that's just your Instagram post. Um, so a, a couple of the big rocks in the jar, Neil, uh, have not been addressed in this new draft. There have been some uh, positives, for example, uh, that a Christian camp can employ staff according to their faith, that religious organisations can preference religious workers in employment. That is all good. Um, so some positive stuff for individuals, uh, some not-so-positive stuff for... Um, uh, so, sorry, let me rephrase that. Some positive things for organisations individuals seem to be a little left out in this second exposure draft. Okay, individuals, and when you mention the name Israel Folau, we all go, any one of us could be the next Israel Folau. That's why that's important for the government to get that right. What sort of response have you been getting from the government? Because, as I understand it, the time frame could be in March. They might be going back to this debate over religious freedom. Uh, They've been, obviously, communicating with all sides on the argument here. Uh, What sort of hearing has Christian groups like ACL got, Dan? Look, we, uh, with other uh, Christian groups, do have excellent access. Uh, The Attorney-General's office, uh, the draft is a very open to the input. Uh, They have, in fact, uh, conceded that, look, uh, there have been some drafting errors in this second exposure draft. Uh, So, look, there's progress to be made. We are working with people who want to get this right. Um, uh, Prime Minister Morrison wants this uh, to be a part of his legacy. Um, May I say this also, we have been working 
uh, already this year uh, with Labor members of Parliament because we would like to see a bipartisan support for uh, religious freedom. And, um, you know, we've met a number of these. uh, uh, Senator Deb O'Neill, Tony Burke have been at meetings earlier in the year uh, to say, look, Labor should not be missing in action on this. Labor should be supporting this. Uh, This is a a big deal for not only Christians, uh, but Muslims uh, and uh, uh, Jewish people, uh, and uh, particularly something that would concern them in Western Sydney. So we've been having those conversations with Labor in Western Sydney uh, this year. So bipartisan approach, I think, will be the way that will ensure there is proper legislation that gets through the parliament that provides actual protection. You know, as I reflect on the first exposure draft that came out late last year, uh, was very much a fence-sitter draft. And then uh, the second exposure draft, which is the one that's being debated now, did seem that the pendulum really swung towards faith groups and away from those lobbyists on the, let's call it the LGBT trans side of the equation there. But is there some anticipation, Dan, that, you know, when the government comes back to the debate and uh, what it's going to settle on as the possible final uh, bill, uh, that it's going to sort of swing way back the other way again? What are your thoughts on, on just how, you know, the government's walking a fine line politically trying to please everybody here? But are we likely to see, uh, you know, these sorts of things that have been allayed late last year with the second exposure draft? Uh, we're, going to, uh, we're going to get slammed in, in March. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, it's a concern for the government. You know, Equality Australia and uh, other LGBT groups are, you know, marching in the street um, opposing this this legislation, and that'll be a concern to the government. It'll be a concern to Labor. Uh, so, um, look, I think that uh, the government is... This is about giving people of faith something. Uh, the LGBTI community were given uh, gay marriage, and the debris of that was the uh, the clearly stated risk to religious freedom. So this bill is not actually about addressing the concerns of the LGBTI community, but of the faith community. And I think it needs to be pointed out that um, this is not in any way an attack on the LGBTI community. This is all about discrimination on the basis of religion. Um, so it's not really uh, sexuality. It's really about religion. But the, the, the difference with a bill like this is that um, religion actually, uh, a part of that is actually making statements of belief. So you can compare this to, say, the AIDS discrimination bill, disability discrimination bill, um, uh, those, uh, or, or even the sex discrimination bill, uh, where there are various attributes. We all agree that people should not be precluded from obtaining loans, employment, opportunity, membership of sporting clubs. But, so this bill's got all those positive benefits in it that no that is not controversial what is controversial is a religious person's right to make a statement of belief and also about what happens in community because people of religion operating communities will those communities uh, be uh, protected able to um, you know hire facilities uh, able to um, have protection for freedom even if they're involved in commercial activities and this is another point which we are negotiating with the government on. They are saying, for the most part, that 
um, religious groups that are involved in commercial activity won't have protection under this bill. So, in other words, um, you know, an op shop or any other organisation where the cash register is open, um, you know, a Christian radio station, may I say, um, will um, uh, may not have protection because they're involved in some commercial activity. And that's very concerning. So we are taking up the the uh, the cudgels, as it were, for uh, organisations that are involved in commercial activity, but it's all an expression of their faith. Think, well, think a Christian law firm, uh, for example, a Christian law firm, um, and there are many excellent ones across the country, they will want to recruit Christian staff. Uh, will that right be uh, uh, impeded because they're involved in commercial activity? That's the sort of risk we're trying to mitigate against. Well, a great context, as you said it in place there. Uh, tremendous to get those insights. Uh, talking about uh, marches on the street, as you mentioned, as uh, those protest groups might do, uh, a huge turnout for a pro-life march in Adelaide. Uh, what's, uh, what's happened there? Of course, Martin Isles, uh, one of the speakers at that march, give us some insights here. There was a March for Life uh, in Adelaide, uh, which is reported to have, you know, over 3,000 people attended uh, a fantastic rally against some uh, anticipated legislation in the South Australian Parliament, which is abortion to birth legislation. And the fact that there were, you know, 3,000 plus people uh, is a real, um, really something. These people just come from churches, they come from homes. When we see the regular protests in the streets. These are union people who are on, they're, they're paid to leave their construction site and be you know, at the protest at 8.30 in the morning and they have a big crowd. Um, they generally wouldn't be 3,000. But here you've got mums and dads, the, the, uh, the children in the stroller uh, who have just uh, attended this because they've heard about it at church or on social media. And it was a fantastic event, very well covered by the media. And I think it will be a great, shock for the South Australian government. It's a, it's a, a liberal government, a government that uh, we would hope would be pro-life, but somehow the Greens seem to have a hold on the agenda there. Uh, but I think this will be a very effective um, a resistance to that. They'll no doubt be talking about it in their party room. Uh, so bravo to Christopher Bro here uh, from the Australian Christian Lobby uh, and others who were organising this in South Australia. Fabulous stuff, and uh, three and a half thousand on the street in Adelaide. It's another indication, isn't it, that the tide is turning uh, the way Australians think about issues to do with life in the womb. Hey, let's uh, let's tackle uh, another couple of things because uh, running out of time, we've got Franklin Graham, uh, the son of the amazing uh, evangelist Billy Graham, in the UK, banned from preaching at UK venues. I mean, uh, this is disturbing on a lot of levels here. Dan, what's happened with Franklin Graham? Well, Franklin Graham has booked a number of venues to do a tour, an evangelistic tour, uh, which is, you know, just what his father did uh, in the UK and, and of course, in Australia, uh, following in those footsteps. And uh, venues uh, in Glasgow, uh, Birmingham, uh, Newcastle, Cardiff, uh, have all cancelled his, uh, you know, they've deplatformed it. And they say it in beautiful terms of we believe in diversity um, and um, all of this, but the diversity they don't believe in is religious, uh, any religious expression uh, that uh, might say 
uh, as Franklin Graham says, uh, that uh, we're all sinners and uh, need to repent and turn to Jesus. And he's not shy uh, in saying homosexuality is a sin, um, like, like you know, many other sins uh, that uh, need to be repented of. Uh, so his message is really no different to uh, what Franklin Graham has preached around the world. Uh, but for some reason now in England, uh, uh, there's a massive clampdown. Um, and I, I see that um, lawyers on behalf of Franklin Graham are considering what their options are, given that deposits have been paid, these venues have been booked for some time. So that tells you uh, where our culture goes if we don't stand up and uh, protect religious freedom. Um, one of the great things that's in this religious discrimination law in Australia and one of the improvements in exposure draft too is that local council rules uh, will not be able to restrict religious freedom. So mercifully, we, we wouldn't on this draft see this happen in Australia. But, of course, we must be vigilant and, um, you know, those who work against us would seek to undermine us. But what purer message can we get than the love of Jesus through Franklin Graham? Uh, it is so sad that is uh, being stopped in its tracks in the UK. Well, and, you know, often mindful that what happens in the UK, what happens in the USA, uh, gives us a little bit of a precursor to what could happen here. And to, to us, that is an advantage because we can see as we look what's happening in those nations, uh, what we need to be uh, very vigilant about and uh, protecting those freedoms. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, another quick one before I let you go, Dan. Um, the Australian Medical Association, a couple of uh, interventions uh, here in uh, in Queensland, um, uh, urging some caution because of some proposed bans on gay conversion therapy. We had a controversy where Dr. John Whitehall was being locked out of being able to speak to a, a group uh, in the government in, in Queensland. Uh, what are your thoughts on what's happening with, with that whole issue on gay conversion therapy? Uh, internationally, uh, we're seeing uh, some hope here. Um, I've heard in recent reports that uh, New York State uh, uh, is trying to uh, reverse its gay conversion uh, ban because they think this will go to the Supreme Court and basically the Supreme Court will rule that these bans are unconstitutional. We've got to be clear what we're talking about. Um, nobody supports any coercive, uh, tortuous practice on any individual, clearly. Yeah, that's right. But uh, what's apparent in Victoria and in Queensland in the proposed legislation is that they are seeking to ban uh, anything that a medical practitioner does that is not affirming of a uh, person or a child's uh, wish to transition. So if somebody said, look, I'm a boy, but I actually feel like I'm a girl because, um, you know, I had a dream last night and I thought that's what I should do. Um, if that person is in attendance with the doctor and there's a, a gay uh, advocate bringing that child in, that doctor would not be able to say, look, you know, your dream may not be the best place to obtain this guidance from. Uh, that type of non-affirmation uh, would be a criminal offence uh, with up to 18 months imprisonment. So that uh, nuttiness is what the government is trying to legislate in Queensland. Incredibly disturbing. Fortunately, the AMA in Queensland is uh, saying, look, this, this is not right. We 
are expressing grave concern about the medicine that is given to these young children who are under 18, still with developing brains. And, um, you know, these, these uh, doctors ought to be able to uh, wade in and find out what the root cause is without having to go down a path of absolute affirmation. So that's good news from the AMA. Pleased to see it. And let's hope some common sense prevails there. And from what I understand too, uh, you've got mainstream media who are interested in the Christian position here because Martin Isles uh, preparing today to be interviewed by SBS for a program that might run uh, tonight or tomorrow night. Yes. Uh, we'll be able to keep our eye out for that, but uh, getting some uh, balanced uh, opinion when it comes to this whole issue, issue of gay conversion therapy. Uh, look, we have run out of time, but always so good getting your insights. Uh, Dan Flynn, who is the Chief Political Officer for Australian Christian Lobby, acl.org.au, where you can go to get some resources, read the latest articles, find insights into these big issues that we're facing in Australia. That's acl.org.au. Chief Political Officer for the ACL, Dan Flynn, thanks so much for being with us once again today on 2020. That's my pleasure, Neil. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.